0: This week's episode of Couch Potatoes Unite, exclamation point, is sponsored by Found Penny Studio. Found Penny Studio is exclusively fulfilling our Patreon Tier 3 merchandise perk by doing what they do best creating to celebrate everyday moments like your favorite TV series. Check out Found Penny Studios creations at foundpennystudio.com and find Couch Potatoes Unite on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash couchpotatoesunite. This episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, is sponsored by Blue Bridge Games. For the games and gifts you won't find anywhere else, head to Grand Rapids, Michigan's friendliest local game store. Blue Bridge Games. Blue Bridge Games carries an extensive line of board games, card games, role-playing tabletop games, Magic the Gathering, and more. Stop into their storefront on East Fulton or shop with them online at bluebridgegames.com. You say you want to watch a drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama.
1: Or you can watch it with your daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with...
2: Potatoes Unite, whoa, whoa, couch
0: potatoes unite. Whoa, whoa, couch potatoes unite. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast entitled Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name because this fuller house of United Couch Potatoes needed a fuller place to expand their conversation. After all, we're everywhere you look. Yes, I went there again. I am the blogger in question and the self-styled Chief Couch Potato. My name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website, couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com, as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like. For Couch Potatoes Unite, we're all about the wonders and the unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU! Exclamation point. Hope you've been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays. And as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published. Published once per week. Subscribe to the website or the podcast via iTunes Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Castbox to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including, but not limited to Supernatural, Orange is the New Black, Gotham, The Marvel Shows on Netflix, Stranger Things, iZombie, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, The Good Place, The Crown, Game of Thrones, American Horror Story, Grace and Frankie, and Mr. Robot. Plus, new episodes are in the works, including revisits for Doctor Who, Schitt's Creek, Will & Grace, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Hundred. We'll be launching new panels covering Big Little Lies, The Good Doctor, Call the Midwife, and The Animaniacs. And because we look back at shows now past, we'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap. We'll thank the Golden Girls for being friends, and we'll cry Bazinga for Big Bang Theory. By the way, did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live? We've been live from bunkers, comedy shows, comic cons, and game stores. Plus, we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff, including in these semi-quarantine times. So make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, or subscribe to the website, our YouTube channel, our Apple channel, our Stitcher Radio channel, or find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and CastBox. In the meantime, if you don't hear a show in this podcast format, fellow panelists and I still write reviews, and we always seek new panelists, so if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of those outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback, though we're still within our right to tell you to cut it out. Look, I can't do better for these jokes. I only watch the original series. Today's panelists are concluding our CPU series focusing upon a friendly family who for generations has lived in a full and fuller house, first on ABC and then on Netflix in a revival series. If you're following CPU's Fuller House series, you know that I'm not here to moderate. Rather frequent panelist Kristen takes the moderating microphone a final time, this time around, to talk both parts of Season 5 of the revival series Fuller House, along with another changeover in our slate of panelists, with some returning, namely Leslie and Samantha and Jared, one panelist new to the panel but not to the podcast, and one brand new panelist. You no doubt have heard Kristen's voice on most of our active panels, because there's just way too many to list, and she's been on, she says, at least 50% of them. I haven't done the math. But you can check our List of All CPU Panelists page, which will be brought up under the left dialog box floating in the header, the picture of the United TV Watchers on the couch. For now, and without further ado, I'd like to welcome back Kristen to the moderating microphone. Take it away, Kristen. Thanks, Kylie.
3: I'm so excited to be back to close out our Full House and Fuller House series. So I have gathered our panelists back around that iconic living room sofa one last time to talk about the fifth and final season of Fuller House, a Netflix original series that was released in two parts for season five, with the first nine episodes premiering on December 6th, 2019, and the remaining nine episodes on June 2nd, 2020. As a reminder, because this is a Netflix original, it is only legally available to watch on Netflix, They are our unofficial, non-sponsored, because we watch a lot of Netflix on this podcast. Fuller House is a continuation of the family-friendly favorite series, Full House, which originally aired on ABC from 1987 to 1995. Set 20-some-odd years after the end of the original series, Fuller House now centers around DJ Tanner Fuller, a veterinarian, a notary, apparently, and a widowed mother to three sons. The original Tanner home is full once again as DJ's sister Stephanie, her best friend Kimmy Gibbler, and their families have all moved in, mirroring the premise of the beloved original series. Many original cast members have returned to reprise their roles, either as series regulars or in guest appearances and cameos. The original cast included Candace Cameron beret as DJ, Jody Sweetin as Stephanie, Andrea Barber as Kimmy, Scott Winger as Steve, Bob Saget as Danny, John Samos as the famous Uncle Jesse, Dave Clear as Joey, and Marla Scaliff as Gia. And we do have some new faces joining us for Fuller House, which include Michael Campion, Elias Harger, and Dashiell and Fox Mezitt as DJ's sons Jackson, Max, and Tommy, respectively. Sony Nicole bring us as Ramona, who's Kimmy's daughter. Juan Pablo De Pace as Fernando, Ramona's father and Kimmy's former ex-husband, now fiancé, to be husband again. Josh Brotherton is Matt, DJ's co-worker at the veterinary clinic and her former boyfriend. Landry Bender is Rocky, who is Gia's daughter and Jackson's girlfriend. And Noah Gary as Ethan, Ramona's boyfriend, in season five. Season five starts off a day or two after the end of season four, and takes place over approximately the next eight months to one year. The first half of the season focuses on Stephanie and Jimmy navigating parenthood, DJ and Steve being cute as in love as ever, and Kimmy and Fernando are over-the-top comedic relief as usual. We find out that Matt and Gia have gotten married off-screen at some point, Jackson and Rocky have rekindled their relationship, Ramona literally falls for the food delivery boy Ethan, Max is sassy and opinionated, and Tommy is rarely seen now that a cute new baby has entered the show. In the part one finale, longtime viewers finally get what we've been waiting for for these past 20-plus years. Steve proposes to DJ. Spoiler. There's going to be lots of spoilers. Part two of the season focuses entirely on the triple wedding of our three main couples, which takes place in the season and series finale. This final season takes everything we love or possibly hate about Fuller House and brings it to the next level with even flashier choreographed musical numbers, more cameos than ever before, including the return of familiar faces, a few celebrities, and some cameos so obscure or practically blink if you miss it. I had to go to Google to make sure I caught them all. There's digs at Michelle's absence still. There's meta references to Candace Cameron Bure's Hallmark Christmas movie fame and tons and tons of pop culture references, some actually timely. As always, it should be noted that all of the panelists have viewed season five of Fuller House in its entirety and will discuss sensitive pop points like I've already stated in the summary. So for those of you who are listening who haven't watched the final season of Fuller House, please listen at your own risk as there will be major spoilers. All right, welcome back, panelists. Are you guys ready to talk season 5 Woohoo! Yes. Totally. All right. So, just to let our listeners know, there, once again, have been some changes to our Fuller House family during the off-season. We said goodbye to one of our longtime panelists, and we welcomed two new members to our panel. So, at this time, I'm going to ask all the panelists to introduce themselves And rate their interest in the show with our famous CPU character question. If you've listened to CPU before, you know that we do things a little differently around here. And the character question is kind of our claim to fame. So, I'm going to have each of you, in turn, introduce yourself by your first name and your first name only. And I'm going to have you rate your interest in the show with your character. For our two new panelists, I'm going to have you guys go last. And you will also need to answer how and why you started watching Fuller House and what kept you watching. So... You watched Fuller House because you absolutely love it, it's the best thing ever, even better than the original. You always wanted to be a part of the Tanner family and now you are, like Kimmy. You loved the original and you're determined to make things work the second time around, like Steve. Your love for your fictional family and friends is strong, but you know that even those with the best intentions can have missteps now and again, like DJ. You had your doubts you'd make it through, things felt a little lost for a while. But the songs and choreographed dance numbers helped you rediscover your passion, like Stephanie. Growing up, or this show, has gone through some rough spots along the way, but you can make it through anything as long as you have your family by your side, like Ramona. While there was trouble at first, you never gave up and things eventually got back on the right track. Then it was just an easy drive to the finish line, like Fernando. It was just silly and fun and easy to watch and easy on the eyes, for better or for worse, like Jimmy. You just wanted to be a part of it. Booyah, boys for life, like Matt. Even though it tries too hard to be something it's not and it can be awkward or painful to watch at times, it does have its rare enjoyable moments, like Jackson. You have opinions. Lots of them. Mostly negative. Sometimes they get you in trouble and you need a family member to come smooth things over, like Max. You begrudgingly joined in after your significant other practically forced it on you, like Gia. Or are you just here for the cameos, like Danny, Jesse, and Joey? Or you were replaced as the cute baby in the family, so you only popped in to watch an episode or two, like Tommy Jr.? Did you give up watching entirely after season four and decided to go take care of your mother in Nebraska, like Becky? Or you didn't watch it because you were too busy running your fashion empire in New York... And didn't even bother coming home for your sister's wedding like Michelle.
1: Who would like to start? This is Samantha. Hi, Samantha. So I ended season four on a, like, I'm only going to watch this because I'm part of this panel feeling. I was pretty down on the whole series last time we met. But this season, I absolutely loved. I'm, like, completely converted to the other end of the spectrum. And I, well, I couldn't decide. So I'm a combination of Steve, DJ, and Stephanie, depending on the
4: episode.
1: But the emotions ran high this season. (laughs) So I'm glad I stuck it out. Great. Welcome back, Samantha.
4: I guess I'll go next. This is Jared. Hey, Jared. Hey there. So I am a, I would say I'm a combination of the best friends, Kimmy and DJ. I, I do love the show. I think it's excellent. I wouldn't say it's better than the original. To me, I love them both equally. I'd love to be part of the Tanner family. And yeah, it's all good. Nobody's perfect. I don't absolutely love everything, but I, I just love the show.
2: Great, great. Thanks. Welcome back, Jared. Thank you. Okay, next. I'm Leslie. I have been here from the beginning, so I'm really excited to talk about this last season. The last hurrah for me, like Samantha, I was at the end of season four. I was kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna finish this out because I'm part of this and I I have to finish this out. But I'm like Samantha. I love the last season. I'd say at this point, I'm probably a combination of Kimmy and DJ. I loved it a lot overall. I mean, there were a few ups along the way, but I, I really liked this season. I thought it was really good. So I'm excited to be back and talk about it.
3: Awesome. Welcome back, Leslie.
2: We'll jump to our new panelist. Who would like
3: to start? Hi, I'm Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome. Hi, thank you. And I would consider
5: myself probably a combination of Steve and Jimmy. I just thought the show, it's silly and fun. It's supposed to just be an easy watch. And I did love the original when I was a kid. And so I kind of came back to watch it for the nostalgic value. And there is a ton of that. There are so many times when I was watching this show throughout the whole series where I felt like they were like making jokes directly for me. Because it was so like reminiscent of my life growing up so that's kind of how i came back to watch it and then as i started watching it my daughter got really into it who's 6 and we watched it on repeat for months so
3: here i am awesome well thanks for joining us
6: all right i'll finish it off my name is justin the characters that i would Identify based on the parameters you gave would be a mix of Kimmy and Matt, who are also my favorite characters on the show. I think this show far—I loved Full House. I watched it as a kid religiously, but I think Fuller House was miles ahead, miles better than the than the first one. And it was season four, which everybody hates apparently, that won me over. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And but also Matt, because I think you know it says he just wants to be part of the boys. I think in order to really get the most out of the show, you have to completely immerse yourself in it. Because if you don't, if you have any objectivity whatsoever you're going to get lost in the cheesiness and not enjoy it as much. So let it happen. Booyah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Booyah. All right. Welcome to the Big (laughs) Health and We're excited to have both of you guys with us. Like Kylie said, my name is Kristen. I'm normally a panelist, but I am moderating this Fuller House series. So last time for season four, I was a Tommy. I admitted right away in that panel, I did not finish season four in time for the recording. It was that painful to get through. But thankfully, season five, was so much better. It was actually enjoyable for me to watch. So I have gone up the ranking scale quite a bit. I would say for season five, I am definitely a Stephanie. I had my doubts I'd make it through at first because I wasn't sure what to expect after the train wreck that was season four. And even though I didn't love all the choreographed dance numbers, I still kind of wrote that description with me in mind a little bit. But I think I also ended up a little bit with the DJ. I'm going to go with the Tanner sisters for my answer because I I do love these characters I loved the show when I was little you know I'm the same age as Michelle the Olsen twins in real life so I kind of grew up along with them watching the show and you know I just yeah there was a couple missteps in the season but overall season five was much stronger and I am so excited to talk to you guys about it so let's jump right in so what'd you like what did you not like Let's, let's talk about season
1: five. I'm so glad that the first episode was so charming. Like like I said, I was so like, oh, I got to watch this. And that like within the first couple minutes of that first episode of the season just felt so nostalgic to me and so reminiscent of the original and, and some of what was missing before that it just caught me right right back in that family element. And that baby is adorable.
3: Yeah, so at the end of season four, we saw the, you know, the off screen birth of Stephanie and Jimmy's baby that Kimmy was a surrogate mom to. So, yeah, they brought the baby home, baby to be named later, which we had kind of talked about a little bit on our previous podcast. And, yeah, so they, we get to watch them being new parents, which was actually kind of fun. We had the doula running around and being super strict and hogging the baby. And, yeah, it was, I, I agree with Samantha. It was very very charming way to enter into season five.
2: I totally agree. I loved that first episode so much. It was probably my favorite one. It hit me on a really personal level because my younger sister just had a baby about a little over a month ago. And I didn't get to meet the baby right away, obviously because We're in COVID, and yes, and she's also dealing with breast cancer right now, and so we all had to kind of keep our distance. And so I really related to DJ, kind of wanting to be there to help and everything, and not being able to because that's kind of what I've been going through lately, where the baby was, you know, at the hospital, but we're here, we can't go see her or anything like that. And so it just, yeah, it was really sweet to watch him bring it, bring the baby home. And I also thought, like Sam, it was really reminiscent of the original. Show and I just really related to what was going on in their struggles and you know for Stephanie as a new mom and DJ trying to be a a good big sister and helping out and that kind of thing I just loved it.
6: So while I don't think season five was as good as the genius that was season four, when I started watching Fuller House, I was going through a a difficult but very amicable divorce, and I thought that the way that that handled the breakup and DJ was, was really graceful. You don't see that in TV very often, typically. When there's a breakup or a divorce, they demonize the other one, they hate each other, and then drama builds from that. Whereas with this one, they just really tried to make it work to the point, and I, I don't want to give anything away too quickly, but there was there was a friendship between Steve and Matt that I thought was something that TV hasn't done well yet until that happened so season five definitely was a great way to end it that personally was why i connected to it
3: yeah and our character question for season four i wrote for matt why are you still here because he did have such an amical breakup with dj and he did become friends but it was like okay why are you still here as far as the story goes and obviously over the cross of season five he's he's there for every big moment it's like he's a part of that extended family so I agree. It was really nice that they kept him around in the end and really wove him in and made him part of this larger family.
5: I have to say, though, I was I have a little chip on my shoulder about that because I was rooting for Matt the whole time with DJ. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, Steve, you're old what? news. But 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, you Stephanie. Oh, they're like the one pair, though.
3: They're Everybody rooted for Steve and DJ.
5: I, I did. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but, and I feel like, too, I, I, I hated Gia in the original show. and now that she like is with Matt, I feel like I hate her even more..
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
3: don't I don't think you're alone there. That pairing was really out of left field for me. And then to come to find out and I think it's episode two, they got married mm-hmm. off. It was just kind of an offhanded moment they came over because apparently DJ's a notary now, which I don't think was ever mentioned before. It was just, oh yeah, I'm a notary. I can, I can do this. It's like, oh, yeah, we, we just got married. We need you to notarize our marriage certificate. It's like, okay.
4: <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> on very
3: the, much on the same page
4: with this one. On the, on the other hand, I feel like the nice thing about it is that sometimes when a character who we wouldn't normally like kind of has a an opportunity to kind of show that she can be kinder than what she has been in the past it kind of kind of made me like her in those times where they were trying to show that they could be friends after all so yeah i love i love the episode one as well i love i love it all i love the fact that that they're trying to they try really hard to promote a lot of great ideas. And as well, as much as life may not necessarily be as cheesy, as as much as life may not necessarily have all of, those, all of those happy moments in a half an hour, I just still love the way that they can take things and make them so down to earth.
2: Absolutely. I just want to piggyback off what Jared is saying. In my opinion, this season felt so much more real. You know what I mean? Like it felt much more grounded in reality and much more real life than some of the prior seasons not that the situations and prior seasons weren't you know things that would happen in your life but it just felt like these were much more it was much more cohesive and more
1: it felt like they finally got their legs exactly exactly
2: exactly I kind of when when the season ended I was kind of disappointed I was like oh they were just getting good and now it's over they could have gone out like I feel like they could have gone on with more stuff with the kids and things like that and you know navigating new marriages and stuff and I don't know just at the end I was kind of disappointed that it just didn't go go further
1: yeah I was too but at the same time it's one of those like was it so good because they packed all this great stuff into such a short period of time instead of like past seasons felt like okay like I could take it or leave it when they pack it all in it's like you get more bang for your viewing book
6: and full house didn't end soon enough the last two seasons were just not good. So it it ended, I think. I would have taken one more season, but I I can see why they they stopped.
1: Probably one of my favorite episodes of this whole season was when DJ turned 40. Like, that was to me like classic Full House antics. We're going to have this big competition. And the way they did the fake out of the proposal at that point where it's like, okay, you know it's coming, but you're like, I don't know when it's coming. and. And you could tell just the setup was there. It's just a matter of when is it going to pay off. And I just the goofiness amongst the guys. You have more of that sort of bromance happening, and just the silliness that I just really liked. Yeah,
3: I I really liked that episode too. Steve set up a DJ's 40th birthday amazing race kind of spinoff around San Francisco for it was girls versus boys. And yeah, and the girls they immediately thought, oh my gosh, Steve's going to propose at the end, and it's going to be so great you're gonna remember it forever and the prize at the end was all the kids and cosmo the dog performing
1: a lip sync to new kids on the block and let's face it anytime there's some new kids on the block action on this show i'm all for it (laughs) (laughs) totally (laughs) those beach boys so full house full house that new kids are to fuller house
2: i really loved that episode too i really thought i i love generally just all of the the plot points where dj was really competitive Cause I feel like those were some of the funniest parts, like on the episode where they were doing the nearly wed game or newlywed game and how competitive she is and how, because of that, it kind of creates all these hijinks. It always made me laugh. I thought it was hilarious when she was being so competitive and, and things of that nature. So I really enjoyed that part of it, for sure. And I really enjoyed too the evolution of the kids and them having to deal with more teenage slash growing up issues that a lot of kids today have to deal with, like, you know, having your first boyfriend or girlfriend, or getting back together with a boyfriend or girlfriend, and you know all of the of high school, and and I thought that the actors really stepped up and really, as far as the kids are concerned, really stepped up their games. And you know, when they were showing emotion, you gen, I I felt it was genuine, and they were being themselves and being, you know really genuinely these characters and i i thought they really evolved great just as actors and as characters yeah i could have done a whole other season with just the kids and their and their stories and hijinks and and all that i thought that was i thought the kids were all great especially max i will always love him because i always think he's hilarious and and yeah i think they all evolved as actors really really well i think at the beginning they weren't you know they were so young and you know they may not have had a you know, obviously they didn't have as much experience as some of the others in the cast, but I feel like the more the seasons went on and especially this season, they really got got good and really figured out what they were doing as far as with the characters and, and how they were portraying them.
1: Yeah, they seemed like they were more part of the family, where in previous seasons it just seemed like it was all about really the original cast and the kids were just there for filler because it's like, okay, this has to mirror the original. Mm-hmm where like you said they were really coming into their own and they felt like a cohesive part of it Mm -hmm. I really liked it they incorporated some I'll call them crossover
3: storylines because in the past like you've mentioned it seemed like they kind of kept the adult storylines on one track and then the kids storylines were almost totally separate and it seemed like this season they had some really great opportunities to do some crossovers where like Max went to go get tuxes with the guys for their wedding and he was super sassy and opinionated and you know, almost got the designer to not work on their wedding. And then for the girls, DJ and Stephanie, or DJ and Kimmy, sorry, took Ramona and Jackson on a college tour. So it was really fun to see that kind of intergenerational hijinks and kind of watching them together. So we didn't really get a lot of that before.
6: You mentioned, a couple of you mentioned the growth of the children characters. One reason I think this show is better than Full House is because Full Full House is basically a cartoon to me. I like it very much but I felt like the characters pretty much stayed almost exactly the same. There was no growth, and it always ended, Full House that is, with a teachable moment accompanied by really stupid music. Thank the good Lord they got rid of the music for Fuller House, A. And B, with a couple exceptions, I thought the characters all grew. The one that I thought had the most growth in a way that I would like my kids to see as they enter adulthood was Fernando, because when Fernando started, he was basically like the ass of the show, the rodeo clown, and nobody liked him except when he made a funny joke because he was a philandering, you know, bad husband. Whereas he, he really redeemed himself. And I also liked that Kimmy didn't just go back with him. That's why my favorite episode was the five dates one because yeah. I thought it was a good female empowerment. She didn't just run to Fernando. She's like, hey, let's see what's out there. And I thought when Kurt Cameron, I really did laugh out loud when Kurt Cameron showed up. Sure, I I would... <laughs> <laughs> the show's creators earned a day's pay on that one.
2: I did too when he came on the screen. I, I think I said out loud, oh my gosh, you yeah. have got to be kidding me. Like he turned around and I was like, oh my lord, this is amazing.
6: And like DJ, they both look almost younger and better now. I know. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, how do I do that?
3: The genes are strong in the Cameron family. They most certainly are. So to remind the listeners that they are not children of the 80s, Kurt Cameron was on... Oh my gosh. What was the, I know he played
4: the growing, growing pains. pains. Growing pains. Thank, you.
3: Thank you. He was on growing pains, and he is Candace Cameron Bray's older brother. So there was a crossover with him back on full house days. And then he made an appearance here, which was kind of, they dropped some breadcrumb because they had mentioned Kirk Cameron a little bit earlier on in either that episode or the episode prior. So you knew that Candace, who's an executive producer, she definitely called in her big brother to make that cameo. Cause that's not hard to do when you're family.
4: I have to agree with Justin in regards to the Fernando thing because, but but I took note as I watched him. For some reason, recently I was watching and I realized he reminded me a lot of of the cousin. You know the you know the old show from back in the eighties, Perfect Strangers. Valky, Valky, you remind me of Valky. Perfect
1: Strangers,
4: absolutely. Fernando was like a Valky cousin. Like it's it was great. Anyway, I just noticed that.
1: Oh, that makes so much sense to me. You're right.
6: That is totally apt.
1: I always have a hard time because he plays such a goofball and space cadet on this show that I had originally seen him as an actor on when they remade Dallas. And on that, he plays a villain and like very suave and sophisticated. So I always have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around like, no, you're not supposed to be this clueless.
4: (laughs) Isn't Isn't that weird when you watch a show with the same person on two different shows and they play two totally different characters? And you're trying to pay attention, but you're distracted by the fact that, who is this person? Yeah.
6: (laughs) Yeah. What was Pam's boyfriend's name on The Office, the first one that that they broke up with? Not Jim. Roy? Roy. Roy. I saw Roy on some show the other day, and I don't remember what it was, but he was like this really good, suave, loyal boyfriend. (laughs) And the complete opposite of... Of Roy. So yeah, you're right. It's funny to see those things.
5: I think Fernando was my favorite new character for this season. Like of all the, you know, non original full house cast, he was probably my favorite. Just because one, like you said, he was the only character that really went through a lot of growth, but he was just hilarious all the time.
4: The dresser too. On that note, I think Ramona for me is an interesting character that I like I grew to like more and more. I almost felt like she was she was significantly different than what 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 I would appear pictured as one of the was' one of the kids, but I liked her how she grew and i like i liked the the uniqueness that she put into her into her role there, and I saw her getting better. I loved kind of the 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 loyalty between her mom and her and her and her parents and and just kind of you could tell that she wasn't quite like her parents, but she loved to love them and she loved to do those silly things with her mother, even though they were kind of annoying, you know and stuff. so yeah. I
3: think one of my favorite new characters throughout the show, it really grew on me, but this season in particular was Jimmy. I, You know, at the beginning, he was just kind of this stupid little goofball, you know, Kimmy's dumb younger brother that we never even heard of in the original series, but magically she has him for this revival. One of my absolute <laughs> favorite episodes was... The first episode after the mid-season break, it's where Joey is going to throw an engagement dinner for the three girls and their spouses to be. And he ends up inviting Mr. and Mrs. Gibbler, who we've never seen. And Jimmy and Kimmy pretend to be their parents to give everybody a chance to, like, rehearse for the dinner. And watching those two interact as their parents was one of my highlights for this back.
4: I was upset that we didn't actually get to see the parents. I was like, we're finally getting to meet them, and then this happens, and I thought to myself, they did a really good job making up for it. I mean, yeah, I was disappointed I didn't get to see who the parents were going to be, but Kimmy and her brother did an excellent job and made me laugh. I,
6: I, I agree with part of that. I, too, was disappointed that I didn't get to see the parents, and I... If I had made the show, I would have... The moral of that show was a pretty good one, but it was kind of like watching Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory and not getting to go into the Chocolate Factory for me. I'm like, come on, let us see Kimmy's parents. Like, <laughs> how did she become like this? So I was a little sad by that, though. It was it was one of the better episodes of, of the season.
3: Yeah, but it's also kind of one of those running gags that a lot of sitcoms are kind of doing. You know, we never saw the Gibblers in the, the first series... We didn't really get an, a reason as to why. And they kind of alluded to that here where that their parents were always going. Right. And so the fact that we didn't get to see them was okay. I kind of equate it to like never learning Penny's last name in the Big Bang Theory. It's just something that's never right. seen or heard. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I was I was okay with not seeing her parents. And then it kind of gives us a nice moment where Joey offers to walk Kimmy down the park. Oh, that's right.
6: Yeah. Kimmy's
3: yeah. the new Joey. You know, all the girls have kind of taken the place of, you know, one of the previous adults, and so Kimmy's the new Joey. So it's really nice to see their relationship grow a little bit throughout this series too.
6: And Kimmy was always the female counterpart to Joey.
3: Always,
4: that's so yes. funny. I never thought of it that
3: way. Yeah, DJ replaces Danny as kind of the the head of the, this makeshift. Right. <laughs> yeah, that making. makes
6: sense. The, the type yeah,
3: A, Yeah, Stephanie literally <laughs> became Uncle Jesse this season, in particular with starting her singer songwriter career she goes on tour with lisa Loeb after guest yeah guest appearances there must have been some friend connection there because she's kind of a random one to bring in i did read a news article i guess she was releasing a new children's album around the same time her episodes were coming out so that could have had something to do with it some cross promotion yeah and then Kimmy being the new Joey, you know, the the non-family member who moves in and becomes just like family.
5: I really appreciated how many kind of like more serious, touching moments there were this season. I felt like in the entire time I've watched Full House, the original and this entire series of Fuller House, I never found myself getting so teared up at so many moments. I think especially for me, like when the episode, the something old episode, when Stephanie is going to use her mother's veil and she admits she can't remember her anymore. I was like, couldn't even keep myself together. And I'm not used to having those type of
3: emotional moments on such a lighthearted, silly show. Yeah, I, I'll agree. I I teared up more than once watching this season. It's COVID. I was supposed to be married earlier this past spring in May 2020. My wedding had to be postponed multiple times due to this. So as of the time of recording, still not married yet. Hopefully we'll be getting married in the next 30 days if everything goes according to plan. So I, I connected with all the wedding stuff, with missing a family family member with going through all the planning and things not happening or having to have plans changed. Yeah, that got to me. I, I cried quite a bit. So and that episode in particular was probably my second or third favorite, the something borrowed where they're going through the attic and pulling out all these different things. And yeah, that, that was one of the best episodes of the season hands down. Yeah.
2: I really connected with the wedding planning stuff too. I got married just a few years ago and I remember all of that and going through just all the hard work of planning it and going to these wedding expo type events and I just thought it was hilarious about how they couldn't agree on on what they wanted and but then in the end they came together and they were like okay this it's not about this that and the other thing it's about us and a fam, you know being a family and being able to be all together i really also enjoyed the whole theater aspect where jackson and ramona were kind of going back and forth about being the lead of the the play what did you guys think about that
1: i thought it was so sweet in the end when he faked the sickness and even as i was watching it i was like this doesn't seem right <laughs> like oh of course he's faking <laughs> And just that back and forth. Just so sweet and, and how they finally started treating each other like siblings.
6: Right, because they didn't quite get along through the first few seasons, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yeah, I like I liked Jackson. He just reminded me of like my nerdy friends in high school. You know, they kind of get on your nerves but they mean well and they and they occasionally surprise you with their with their chivalry.
3: <laughs> yeah, this one was really sweet, just for a little background. So they both auditioned for their musical Pippin and Ramona really wanted the lead player, which is the lead role in the musical. If you haven't seen it, and Jackson decided to audition just so he could get out of gym class. I think it was he wanted a non-speaking role, just easy A, get out of class. And he ended up getting the lead over Ramona, and Ramona became his understudy. You know, throughout the season, you know, once they were gonna have the triple wedding, they they being Kimmy and Stephanie announced to DJ that they were gonna be moving out of the house after the wedding, and so. Jackson fakes the sickness to give Ramona a chance to be the lead before she moves to a different city. Big moment for Jackson.
2: It
1: was like, oh, you're growing up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And the other important moment there, too, I think, was when Max was kind of going through that whole phase of trying to figure out who he is he had skipped a grade and he went to school you know normally dressed as he normally would acting like he normally would and the kids were making fun of him so he did this total 180 and became like this bro dude with backward tats and t-shirts and just not being himself and i just totally related to that i think everybody can relate to that when you're in junior high you you have no idea who you are or what you're about or what you want and you're still finding yourself and trying to figure out who you are and I think him going through that process and that lesson of, you know, it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to be yourself and you don't have to care about what, what other kids think about you. That was a big, that struck a big chord with me because I know when I was today, age, I cared a lot about what other people thought about me and how I dressed and how I wore my makeup and oh my gosh, if few saw pictures. I mean, junior high with my makeup on, not pretty, but eventually I did grow out of that and learn, you know, again, you know, be who you are. It's okay. And people, are gonna have their opinions and that's fine and you don't have to care what they think about you and i feel like that was a big growing moment for him and i i feel like especially the actor that plays him just nailed that really well i mean just the comic side of being like a bro but also that emotional part of like okay i'm okay with who i am i'm 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 okay with me and and i'm i'm good i'm good as as what i am and i'm not gonna apologize for it and i thought that was huge
6: if As Jared pointed out, Fernando is an an allusion to Bar Taco Moose. Max is the name of the youngest one, right? Yeah. 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 Max is Alex P. Keaton. Oh, my God. Absolutely.
4: (laughs) Absolutely. I guess so. Yes.
3: I can see that
6: hands
4: down. I didn't see. I didn't. Alex uh, Alex wasn't as, I guess, is it flamboyant? I guess.
6: No, Max was a little bit more flamboyant. But the thing about Alex is that he didn't act his age. He acted like an adult. And that's how Max was. So the bro thing was like, I just want to say, Max, you're on a road to success. Don't, don't bro it out. (laughs) You're going to be just fine.
3: Yeah. It's like he goes and gets his normal, you know, suit and khaki, you know, kind of out of the trash. He's like, oh. Ralph Lauren you know
6: it's like yeah
2: I know I love that when he was like Calvin Klein I'll never leave you again
3: (laughs) (laughs) I loved it I loved it so what did you guys think about the boys kind of growing up here and buying Uncle Monty's sandwich shop
4: I love. I love that. I I, I thought it was great. It's it, it created a lot of a lot of different kind of storylines there, and you know, I really like I really liked the eating contest that Ramona had against against the big guy. I love the idea that they were together in the partnership. There's a lot of the the vet the veterinary clinic, and then you know got the food thing. I just it's a really neat way of kind of living life together lots of funny moments and lots of working together it was great
3: and that kind of leads us to having an interesting moment with the og dads danny joey and jesse during the thanksgiving episode
1: where, <laughs> where they, they get locked in locked just
3: in, the, in the sandwich shop's freezer oh,
1: that's
6: right yeah had to go yeah
3: And some truths were shared where Jesse didn't really want Joey to move in.
4: I didn't remember that. Did anybody else remember that? I don't remember that.
6: Yeah, I I remembered some dynamic that that show reminded me of for sure.
3: Yeah, I think it it was very, very early on in Full House, I think, where Jesse had made a comment like he doesn't get along with Joey that well. Right. It was kind of almost a throwaway line, but the fact that, you know, obviously Joey didn't hear it. So the fact that they decided to revisit it now was Mm -hmm. interesting. What
6: do you guys think? Yeah, I, I did like... That was a good episode, that Freezer one, because I feel like every good cheesy comedy show has an episode where they get locked in something. Like on Saved by the Bell, Zack gets locked in an elevator with somebody, and they have a baby. On Punky Brewster, Cherry got locked in a refrigerator. Like, there's all there's always a moment when that happens, which is another reason why I think the show successful is because it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It did in a lot of ways. The, the show was different than Full House was. But I thought that was, I, I, and, and there was a Full House episode where they all got locked in a garage. It was the kids and Uncle Joey, and they had some terse exchanges based on some past issues they had with each other. It reminded me of that. So, yeah, I, I was a big fan of that one.
3: Yeah, interesting that you chose Saved by the Bell and Punky Brewster as your mm-hmm. two examples, because those are the next two shows from, oh, you're this, kidding me. from this era that are actually getting a reboot. Peacock, NBC.
6: Oh, goodness streaming
3: service is, re- is rebooting Saved by the Bell and Punky uh, later this year in 2020.
4: I don't know if it's wow. going to be as
6: good, though. That, that could be a really good idea or really bad, but I guess that's what Fuller House is. It, <laughs> Fuller
4: House was but the of- same people, though. That's different.
6: It's lay moon fry, huh? And He's
3: coming back, and a lot of the Save by the Bell oh. cast is
4: all coming back. So. Oh, oh I did not know that. That's so awesome. Oh, that's right. With the Save by the Bell, I think it's their kids or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but just, we will have another podcast about those.
4: Going back to the Thanksgiving episode there. So a couple of things. First of all, Danny, Jesse, and Joey, I love the relationship between the three of them. It's interesting that while you know that they all live apart, when they're together, it's almost like they've still been living with each other. Like, I mean, just the way they act towards each other, I find that lovely. Just that they're actually apart. When they're together, they're always still close knit like that. and I love that. I also noted that when Jesse finally decided to to break the window with the, the, the was it lamb or something
3: half of an animal
4: of yeah that half was of- that was funny because after he broke the window he totally jumped through it and all that glass was around there like aren't you cutting yourself up did you did you get all the glass out of there they were just moving around like this and there was glass all over the edges and like is he getting cut up or what it was funny. <laughs>
3: Yeah, this episode in particular had a lot of throwbacks to the original series, not only being locked somewhere. Because I think in the original series, it was either Jesse or Joey who got locked in the the car garage, the repair garage, after a car broke down.
2: Oh, yeah. And, I think that was Uncle Jesse. Yeah. So, yeah, so
3: that if it was Uncle Jesse, then it makes sense that he was the one to kind of break the window since he helped kind of break them out of the repair shop back in the day. And then also during this episode, Stephanie is the one who's going to be cooking Thanksgiving dinner, which apparently the girl can't cook to save her life because that was kind of a running gag that, oh, no, Stephanie's cooking. I got to go fix it. So DJ and the boys make a backup dinner upstairs in case she fails because she's using all these online
6: (laughs) recipes. That's right.
3: And so when Stephanie finds out, she is so upset. She just wants to leave and get away from the family for Thanksgiving and of course, Joey has driven his beautiful red car, the Rosie 2, after the first Rosie with <laughs> really remember by this by Stephanie in the original series. And in the same way, Steph gets into Rosie, accidentally puts it in reverse, and drives oh, right. back through the window in the kitchen. Yeah, that's
6: right. <laughs> Literally, I love-
3: she does the same thing with almost the same car in this, yeah.
6: She so was, was trying to turn on the, the radio in the first one, so she put it on R. And then, first, oh
4: god! I can't believe I couldn't believe it happened again. It, it felt so unrealistic, but I still loved it.
2: Yeah, I kind of thought, okay, why? Because she's old. I mean, accidents happen. Adults can be horrible drivers, but I just thought, okay, she's in this smaller space. She's got the car. She's older. She knows how to drive it and how to put it in gear. I don't. I don't get how she miss, missed it and just backed into the. Into the house But I, th- I thought the reactions were hilarious I
4: think to that it. was just a nostalgia I think that was just a nostalgia thing They wanted to put it in there Because it harkened back to the original And I feel like people were going to love it Whether it was realistic or not That's the way I feel about it
3: Stephanie, you've been a little quiet Do you want to talk about anything in particular? Let's get you okay, back I
5: just feel like I don't want to talk over anyone And jump in well, Go um,
3: for it Give us your you No, I, I
5: agree about the, the car backing up thing I actually, I loved it I laughed out loud when it happened And it is totally unrealistic and silly but that's like sixty percent of the show. I feel like you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be a Full House spinoff if it wasn't unrealistic and silly and cringeworthy most of the time. I feel like so I don't know. I felt like that moment was really well placed, and I was impressed at how quickly they got their house fixed because by the next episode they were back in that kitchen again.
2: Yeah, they were. Work. <laughs> DJ getting it done.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. The the show there was a lot of ways that it was very much like Full House. In a lot of ways, it was different, and I think thematically, and this is why I like it better, is that I thought they covered a lot of contemporary issues, whereas Full House covered a few. But this one was, I thought, on on top of the game. It covered a lot about non traditional families, about having a kid in a non traditional way, which I think is important to see. They had a couple characters that were gay, and I thought they handled that really well. It would kind of remind me of Shit's Creek. Where they didn't stop to turn it into a big dramatic thing, they just accepted them and then moved forward. I thought that was really impressive. Whereas Full House was in a existed in a certain vacuum of late '80s and '90s television, where you just you really didn't stray too far from you know from from the traditional. And I thought this one successfully traversed those boundaries. While well, at the same time, it gave us what we wanted. You go to McDonald's because you want a Big Mac. <laughs> you don't you don't want an organic filet mignon or anything like that.
5: I think the Full House-esque moments were well-placed. They were, like, sprinkled throughout the show, sort of, in a tasteful way that made it funny. And it made it, for those of us who watched it in our younger years, be able to have that little bit of nostalgia and laugh. But it, it was still its own show with its own plot lines
2: in its own right. Absolutely. I agree. And I think one of my favorite parts of that is when Candace, Cameron beret, was, like, doing her little asides to the camera, like, oh, yeah, they call me the Christmas queen or the Hallmark. I've watched a lot of Hallmark mysteries because she does a lot of those Aurora Tea Garden mystery yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. movies on Hallmark. And, you know, I just thought it was so funny how they were all, like, you know, doing these little asides like that. Where What was someone who He was like, oh, it's nice to have three daughters again, like giving that little nudge to Michelle yet again. I just thought some of those little asides and those little jokes that they kind of put in there and sprinkled throughout it, you know, you weren't going to get unless you knew other pop culture <laughs> references was pretty funny. Yeah, it seems like
3: the way that they did the references and the callbacks to the original series, this season in particular, but also kind of sprinkled throughout, you weren't missing anything. If you are a new viewer to Fuller House, you know, like, like Stephanie, your daughter, who hasn't maybe seen the original, I'm sure she still found it enjoyable and didn't feel like anything was missing if she didn't pick up on a, on a reference.
6: Were you all disappointed that Michelle didn't make any entrances? I was. I was a little bit too.
2: Yeah, me too. It would I mean, have no been nice anything. to at least have seen her for the final, like the final episode. I think that would have been that would have been really, really cool.
1: Oh, I guess I wasn't. I wasn't surprised that she wasn't there, and I didn't miss her because, like, the Olsen twins as adults are not like. How they were when they were kids of like adorable and you know like really gregarious personalities. So I I think it would have been a distraction.
3: Yeah,
4: got it, to dude.
1: Included. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think at this point, with it
3: being you know literally the eleventh hour, and they they haven't come in. Like Kimmy said, when they found Michelle's old bike in the attic, like if she hasn't come back for it by now, she's not coming back.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know, one
3: super dab at the Olsen twins not coming back. I like, loved that. You know, but Candace Cameron Bure, she did say that we actually just didn't reach out to them for season five because they've turned us down the previous four seasons. So we, Oh, really? Yeah, they said that they didn't even reach out this time around. I think the show was stronger for not having Michelle or trying to squeeze her in in any way for season five. I think they, if they wanted to, they could have had, like, well, okay, so Michelle is supposed to be running this fashion empire to kind of mirror what the Olsen twins are actually doing. So, I mean, she could have, you know sent them their wedding dresses or like gave the guys their tuxes depending on what kind of fashion she's doing. Not like, even that would have been a cool way to incorporate her without having her make an appearance. I know some of like the, the talk on the internet that I kind of looked up was you know people are assuming that there was some kind of a fallout between Michelle and her family with the comment from Danny about oh you know it's good to have three daughters again. The fact that she never calls home or comes home or even acknowledge that her sisters were getting married but i mean i think that's reading into it a little too much personally i think it's just because they didn't want to recast the character they could have and they chose not to but i think they kind of missed a really good opportunity by not having Michelle give the girls their wedding dresses as a way to incorporate her without having her on
4: screen
6: i mean why wouldn't the olsen twins want to show up at least once in full house in fuller house
4: I think but. their life is. I think their life is just so different now. It's like yeah. probably starkly different than it ever was, and I think they have probably had so much cra- craziness over their lives that maybe they're just tired of it.
3: Yeah, well, they haven't acted in a really long time.
4: Yeah, so. I think they feel
6: rusty, according to what I read.
3: Yeah, or they're just—it's not part of their life anymore. Like you said, they—they've moved on, and yeah, it is kind of is what it is.
6: Yeah, in the last the last few seasons of Full House were unsuccessful because it was just a platform for Michelle to say, you got it, dude, all the time. So. Yeah,
3: because that's when the Olsen twins were really coming into their own. They had their right. own little video series and mm-hmm. CDs and all this stuff. They were way more famous than anyone else in the show at that point. Mm-hmm. The mysteries and just the,
1: the empire right. of the 90s. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, since we didn't see Michelle, did you guys miss having a cameo from becky this season since she was essentially she was fired from all of
6: her acting in court after, yeah.
3: <laughs> after the scandal i'm not gonna get into the scandal because we kind of talked about that in the last episode but did you feel that the excuse of you know she's taking care of her mother back home in nebraska was a good
1: explanation i'm kind of well i guess i'm fine with the explanation if they hadn't have done an explanation i don't know that i even would have missed her even with the weddings and all of that I didn't feel the absence of of her presence at all because so much of it with the three girls mirrors what it was for like the three guys in the original and it's about that core group. I was fine with it.
6: It would have been impossible to incorporate her in any way because you would have immediately thought of the scandal. And if they had made like a funny, I thought they were going to make like a funny little meta joke about the scandal, maybe because similar to what they do to. Michelle and her family empire but if they had done that the dynamic would have been lost I miss I thought Becca was really funny and so I I missed her but I was totally fine with an explanation that basically just swept the problem aside and moved forward there was no other way to do that one
4: it's too raw one
5: thing that was one one thing that was kind of weird about it though even though I didn't miss her either so the the little girl that they adopted she was the one that was pushing so hard For the baby and she wanted to adopt this child and they were so excited when she, they were finally able to adopt the little girl and then she like takes off to Nebraska to take care of her mother and just leaves the kid with Jesse like. I don't know. It seemed odd. It seems like she would have taken the little girl with her. So I don't know. It seemed weird to me.
4: I mean, not, I, I missed her. I missed her, but not to mention the fact that Becky was very close with, with, I think both Stephanie and DJ. And I just feel like she had a special part in their life. And so to have her not involved in, in their wedding and this kind of the time of their life, it definitely felt very weird for me. I feel like she should have been in one way or another, but I mean, I think they did a good job, kind of sweeping it under the rug but it was still very evident to me that she wasn't there because i know her and dj and 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 then also her and stephanie had a lot of very special moments in the original so that's something that was definitely missing for me
6: Well, we i mean exactly what happened i'm sure is the publicist of fuller houses said oh god we need to just (laughs) walk away from this one say as little as possible Move on. <laughs> and, and that. So we, we had to kind of take what you can get in that one.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was pretty funny with the excuse that they gave of she's going to take care of her mother in Nebraska. <laughs> so during quarantine, I kind of fell down a I need feel-good television rabbit hole. Yeah. And I started binging the Hallmark series When Calls the Heart, which Lori Loughlin was a very big character at yes. time. And the funny thing is, they gave the exact same reason for her absence from that show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious?
3: It's in the first episode that she was cut from. They rewrote the opening with the main character, this Elizabeth Thatcher. She's writing a letter to, I think, one of her sisters. And she says abigail who's Lori laughlin's character is now back east taking care of her mother taking care of her mother back east that <laughs> is the same excuse for the two shows
2: wow to those yeah.
3: producers get together like we got to get our story straight
2: <laughs> you know and i gotta say i i agree with sam i think they they handled it the best way they could i mean Lori Laughlin kind of dug her own grave. And I think she, you know, I, 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 I gotta say, I really liked Anne Becky as a character. I loved her on Fuller House and Full House. And I love Lori Laughlin in those. Oh, what were those movies on Hallmark called that she also did? She owned the, she owned the antique store or the secondhand store, but she solved mysteries at the same time. Oh
1: yeah. One of the mystery ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I liked those a lot. So I was like, come on. I liked those. But like I said, I think she dug her own grave and she deserves to get punished for it. And I think I I agree with, I didn't really even kind of miss her. And I think that throwaway line was enough and probably all that she really deserved because I mean, look at the position she put them in.
6: Uh, So they need to like name, you know, how they have that term jumping the shark, which is when Mm -hmm. a tired show makes a absurd move just to get more people to watch it, mm-hmm. need, like, the Lori Laughlin tactic where they just send him to Nebraska to take care of the mother. <laughs> like, when a, like when an actor <laughs> is yeah. in a scandal, just send them to the, their family to take care of their mother and it will fix any problems with the story. <laughs> well, and Aunt
2: Becky. And she got, like, what, two well, years? Becky. Or something like that? Like, two years yeah. in jail or whatever it was? I don't know, I didn't
4: yeah. I know. I, th- I thought she got less, but it was kind I of could weird. be wrong,
2: yeah. Just I just, a- I, yeah, it it, I don't know. I just, I really liked her as a person, as an actress, and the fact that she did, so I mean, not that I held her up on a pedestal, I mean, celebrities are people too, and they're not perfect, but I just, it especially hit me hard, because she was, you know, Aunt Becky, and I really liked her, and I don't know, it's just, it's sad all around.
4: Get these smack in the faces sometimes, just to remember that the shows are great we love I love to immerse myself in it, but then every once in a while, i just, I need to stop and think, okay, well, hold on, this isn't actually real life right now, so real life yeah. is that real real life is that people do stupid things, and so there's consequences, so that's what it is
2: right, right, and I think she's definitely going to be paying a price after she gets out. She's not going to work again, I don't think i I would be surprised if she was able to make any sort of come back. I mean, I don't know what she'll do. I mean, she'll probably just live off, I guess, whatever her designer husband makes, but I, I, I don't see her coming out and be like, hey, I'm back. Can I act again? You know what I mean? I don't think I don't think that's going to happen, which is a shame. Right.
3: Anything else with season five you guys want to talk about before we get into the finale?
6: Is there anything else we want to address that we haven't yet before the finale? Correct. You all did perfect, so no. <laughs>
3: Anybody else have any other things to say about the early parts of season five all right i'm gonna take your silence as we are ready to move on so the series finale very aptly titled our very last show again as a nod to the end of the original series so a quick synopsis it takes place right after the rehearsal dinner for the triple wedding and jimmy begs the guys to leave before midnight because it's bad luck to see the bride or brides in this case before the wedding you know even though dj assures him that there is no curse The next morning, the government seizes their wedding venue, so they quickly decide to have it in the backyard and throw together this beautiful wedding in eight hours. Then, the minister can't make it, so Danny and Joey kind of take it upon themselves to find a new minister. First, they audition Michelle's old friend, Derek Boyd, the Yankee Doodle Dandy boy. He comes in and sings in his little tap dance number, and he's set aside. And then the other guy who comes in is Stephanie's first love and fake first husband from when she was seven, Harry Takayama. He (laughs) offers to officiate because he wants to stop the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I love it. Jackson tells Rocky that he loves her. And then we have a parade of wedding guests, which include Matt, Gia, CJ, Rose, Lola, and Popco all come back. And then we have some old friends, which include Vicky, who was Danny's fiance for a while in the original series. I love Vicky; she would have been fabulous to be part of the family permanently. And then there's also two blink if you miss it cameos from Kimmy's ex boyfriend Dwayne, who has the oh. catchphrase "whatever," <laughs> and then whatever.
1: He's older, whatever. DJ-
3: Ex, you know, motorbike boyfriend. They didn't have any lines. I mean, the camera only saw them in the background of a couple shots. So literally, blank. If you miss it, may have totally missed them entirely. And then in the surprise move, Danny gets Joey McIntyre of New Kids on the Block. (laughs) Wedding. I love it. Things, their first dance. Nobody moves out of the house, even though they've already packed their bags and moved them onto moving trucks. They they decide to stay after all. And then Stephanie announces that she is pregnant. So. Talk about the season finale. Did you did you feel that it was a worth, you know, worthwhile send-off since like, you know, as Justin mentioned, the first series really didn't get one. You know, what did you like? What did you didn't? Let's let's dissect the finale.
6: When it comes to the last the finale of a show, I want it to pull out all the stops. I don't want a lot of realism and for a show that is so so much harkening back to the to the 90s, I want it to be like a 90s sandwich with extra pickles. And my I was very satisfied. And the thing I really liked best was I, Lisa Loeb. I am a huge fan of. I always will be. So it was good to see her. But Joey McIntyre was always the new kid on the block that I felt like was just funny, cute and young. But I thought he was like a real ham on this. I thought he was hilarious. I loved when they went to the concert in a prior season where all the girls run up to the stage and he yells security. I I just thought he was hilarious, so I give the finale two enthusiastic thumbs up, and they went as high as I wanted them to go, and higher.
1: (laughs) Me too. Usually, especially when you know that it is the season finale, or series finale, rather, as you're watching it, It's always like in the back of your mind, the stakes are higher and it's a higher bar. But I thought they did very well. I cried and cried and cried during that wedding. And it was just so heartwarming. And the move out and the move back in. And the ladies on the show looked like they were crying real tears. And I was crying real tears. And (laughs) it's very unusual for me to cry at a TV show. So it got me. It got me too. I I was sitting there with my husband and my daughter, like trying to
5: have them not look at me because I was crying at Fuller House. But I think, especially if you are someone from the theater community, you know what that sadness is when a show ends, you know, because you have such like a strong relationship with the people in your cast. And on that last night, it's always emotional and especially even more so for a group like this that's been together forever. I will agree that the finale was great. I thought it was great how they brought all those old characters back, albeit unbelievable that you would have a wedding where 90% of the guests are your exes. But I love that Joey McIntyre was there, especially because on the Nearly Wet episode, they all said he was their celebrity crush. And I was like, he was my celebrity crush, too. But the only thing that was missing was an appearance by the Beach Boys. I think they should have yoinked Lisa Loeb there. And the Beach Boys should have done, like, One song, just as a nod to be original. I
3: like the way you think. I like the way
4: you think. I'm not going to have a lot to say because I'll I'll have to be honest with you. I got in a role and I watched all the first part of of season five, and then I got out and I just watched a whole bunch recently, but it didn't make it to the end, and that's okay. It's my own fault. I'm still going to watch it and finish it, but I did watch a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and I watched Kimmy's. Kimmy's got she's got a blog now, a video blog, not Kimmy, but. But Andrea Barber. Andrea Barber, yes. And I, I watched a lot of those. And I watched the whole building up to the last the last episode. And I I admittedly, I admittedly cried myself watching her video blog because I watched one of the last readings, I think the reading of the last episode or something, and you can see the genuine, genuine love and respect that they have for each other. And then how how emotional they were. So I, I loved that, and I was emotional over that. One thing that I would say that I, I wish they would have done is I could never get enough of Jesse's Forever song. So I think Jesse needed to sing Forever one more time. He probably didn't, but I wish he would. Yeah,
3: I think, wasn't that a joke in the episode that I mentioned earlier where Kimmy and Jimmy played their parents? Didn't Jimmy make a joke about how some guy was singing this Forever song all the time? It's kind I of think like so. Friend. Yeah.
2: I,
4: I wish he would have. I, I still like it.
2: Yeah, I, I loved the the series. Really. I I got emotional too. I, didn't, I wasn't like bawling, but I think the thing that hit me the most was like Stephanie. I mean, I've been in the theater too and I know what it's like and you're on that last show and you're never going to see it. Well, hopefully you'll see these castmates again, but you know you won't see them as much and in the same context. And I felt like their tears and their emotions during the were like, not just from the characters, but also from themselves of like, this is the last time we're going to be doing this and being in this environment all together. And I feel like they couldn't have ended it any better. I think everybody, I I mean, I just, it just was like a warm blanket. Like it just came around me and I was like, Oh yes, this is what it should have been. Like everybody married the right person. Everybody stayed together. Everybody's fine. Nobody's, you know, everybody's all good. And it just, I thought it was amazing. I just, yeah. If if I could have written it, I would have pretty much done exactly the same thing. I thought Stephanie being pregnant so soon was a little odd. Just because she had just had, like, she had just gotten a baby. Well, I don't know how to say it. She doesn't just, Kimmy had just had her baby for her. her. But at the same time, I was so really happy for her. But, yeah. I
3: in mysterious ways
2: <laughs> exactly exactly
3: We mentioned that we never talked about the baby's name so stephanie named the baby danielle after her father danny and then middle name joe after donna joe or dj so that way she's named after the person who taught her how to be a parent but also if somebody wants to call the baby dj it is one of the best nicknames So justin please continue
6: this will be super quick but while i agree that the spirit of the show would have would have benefited from having the Beach Boys come in and sing forever. Lisa Loeb, actually, the song she sang called The First Day of My Life is a song by one of my favorite indie folk singers named Connor Oberst, who sings under the name Bright Eyes, and he's moderately famous, but I hope this show gets him a million more fans because he rules. So I have no complaints about that, and plus Lisa Loeb, She probably was picked because she's a she's an absolute monster, or genius with social media. And if you go to her Facebook site, she just she knows what's going on. And they probably just picked her so that they could help promote the show. (laughs) So there's some pragmatism going on there.
3: Yeah, I I absolutely love the finale. I thought it was so fitting. I thought it was just a great way to end. Like you know, it's a beautiful triple wedding. It's all happy. There's lots of love, and you know, I've said on other podcasts too. I love it when the show ends with hope. Especially, you know, obviously not when it's a drama, but when it's a comedy, when it ends with hope, and it gives us an idea of what their future may be like, and I couldn't think of a better way to end it. I just, I thought it was so well done. I cried, loved it, and it definitely elevated my opinion of the series as a whole with how
1: they ended it,
6: which... If I I was a writer of the show, one thing I would have done differently, I would not have had them, because at the end they say, hey, can we just stay here? Sure, and it's over. I would have had them say, hey, we're going to buy the house next door. Because the whole show was sticking to the basics, but moving forward a little bit. And I personally thought that would have been a good symbol of sticking to the basics, but moving forward. But that's just me being picky. Yeah,
1: I mean, that
3: makes (laughs) sense. Especially because Kimmy and Jimmy, is it Fernando at this point, they still own the Gibbler house next
6: Right. Mm So, don't know.
3: Maybe that would happen further down the line that we just don't get to see. True. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about the finale before we move ahead? Okay, I will take your silence as confirmation. We can move ahead. Okay, so my first thing I want to talk about is the fact that, kind of just the episode structure. I know we kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but Season 5 was expanded back to 18 episodes and released in two parts, just like Season 3 was. Did you watch each part as it was released, or did you wait until all episodes were available? And if you Did watch it as it was released. Did you think having the six-month break in between helped or hurt the overall storyline? I I watched them
5: separately. And I don't think it hurt it majorly. But I I think the six-month break hurt it a bit because... In my own personal experience, I didn't even realize there was a second half until two days ago. So I thought that the season had ended with the proposal, and that was just it, you know, which would have been, a, I mean, it really, that wouldn't have been a bad ending to the series either. But then to have such a large break, and apparently, I don't know if it wasn't well advertised, or I just wasn't paying close enough attention, I didn't even realize there was more to the story. And it was such a good more to the story. I'm sad that
1: I didn't watch it sooner. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. recall when the second half was released. I don't know if you happen to know, Kristen, did it get Good caught up in... of 2020. The Wait, first this? half
3: was released... Um, let me go back to my intro here. The first half was released on December 6, 2019. And then the second half on June 2, 2020.
1: Okay, so yeah, I was... Well, my thought was, okay, it got lost in the COVID commotion. Mm-hmm. But I ended up watching them all in one lump not too long ago. So, And I was glad that I just sort of got to because got to watch it all in one in one jump like that just because I got to that mid-season break and it just naturally wanted to keep going like each episode I was totally into it and wanted to watch the next
2: yeah I did the same thing I watched them all at once actually all on the same night because I really wanted to just go for it and get it all done in one big chunk And I found myself doing the same thing, like, oh, I want to watch the next one. What's the next one? What's going to happen next? I think that it, I don't know if it necessarily hurt that there was such a big gap, but I think there's probably more people like Stephanie out there who didn't, who either didn't realize there was a second half or just didn't care or whatever and didn't, I think if they had released it all at once, it might've done a little better, but I don't
4: know. I would have preferred it been all together. I did know that they were going to be split because I, I, purposely go out and see what's going on with it. But the problem was, life just was so crazy, and there's so many th- other things on my mind that I just forgot. That it, mm-hmm. But then I, but then I noticed because I keep on touch, uh, I keep connected to social media. I didn't know it was coming up, but even when it started again. Life was kind of so crazy that I didn't purposely go back there and watch it until too late. And that's why I'm behind. I'm going to get caught back up. But if it would have been, Mm -hmm. if it would have come out all at once, the way that I work is I will continue to keep watching the same show until it's done. And it takes a lot to rip me away. Because the separation was there, it was harder for me to jump back in. It probably works differently for different people.
6: The thing is with me, when I tell people Full House is one of my all time favorite shows, they think I'm being ironic but i, genu- I genuinely genuinely think that if you take it on its own terms it's as legendary of a show as seinfeld the office cheers and so anytime i hear anything new about full or fuller house comes on i'm going to i'm going to be happy regardless so i didn't really think about it i watched them in one in like one or two nights immediately and had a great time
4: <laughs> i wonder what the chances are that maybe in the future they they not necessarily another show but maybe a Made for TV movie right. that they do, with, they used to do with the Brady Bunch.
6: A Fuller House. Oh,
4: Fuller House. <laughs> kind of like Dumb <laughs> and Dumber. That
6: would be amazing. And <laughs> well, and
1: they kind of left it open for that too. The way they all came yeah. back together. Yeah, Triple It's, it's either or. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be
2: surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if they came back with like some sort of special or whatever with the kids and kind of going back and revisiting it and continuing on with the the next generation, so to speak.
4: Do a Christmas one or something. Back
1: in the college years. I've been
4: watching a lot of Brady Bunch stuff. I've been watching a lot of Brady Bunch stuff, and they had a number of shows after Brady Bunch was over.
3: Well, since you guys are predicting the future, let's jump back and revisit our predictions from the last podcast to see what came true and what didn't. Jared had the prediction that DJ and Steve... Have to get married. There was no if they needed to get married. According (laughs) to here, I said that they have a triple wedding, which came true. And then our departed panelist Andrew, he had a couple predictions of we wouldn't see Joey's kids again, which came true. There would be no more musical numbers, which definitely not true. We had our fair share of musical and dance numbers. And then he also wanted to have an actual series finale, which we did. They knew going into season five that this was the last one, so they had plenty of time to write one, unlike the original Full House, which was unexpectedly canceled. They were planning on coming back, having another season, and ABC's like, nope, you're gone. So not a true finale there. Samantha said no more Christmas episodes, which was true. We had Thanksgiving. We didn't have Christmas, but like we said earlier, there was a few jokes about Candace Cameron Bure being the queen of Christmas on Hallmark Channel. (laughs) <laughs> Leslie said that she wanted to see Stephanie and Jimmy navigating parenthood, which came true. And she also wanted everybody to get a happy ending, which also came true. We Some of us predicted that Michelle, or it was Andrew who predicted that Michelle would come back, which was a hard no. Hard no. And then I did ask about baby name predictions for the, the baby girl. Samantha said it would probably be something bananas. Jared said <laughs> that Stephanie would probably rein it in a little bit. And I said it might be Michelle as a way to have Michelle there, which wasn't true. Like we said, it was. it's Danny Joe, is the, is the baby girl. So kind of getting into a quick little looking back segment here. Now that we finished the show, it's over, we've cried our tears, we've said our goodbyes, we think. What was your favorite season as a whole? Five, without a doubt. I,
6: I feel like I should go last because of my my controversial thing. Go ahead. You said five?
3: All right. So Samantha says five
4: is the cross between the first season and the last season.
5: Yeah, I think I'm with Jared on that. The first season was kind of like classic and get you hooked in. And season five was when it really finally came into its own and had some more substance and more emotion and wrapped it all
2: up. Yeah, I would say definitely season five. I, I liked the other seasons, some more than others. But yeah, season five was definitely the one that I enjoyed the most. It kept me hooked, kept me engaged, and I just loved it.
6: No, without, without question. I thought I loved the season four. I tend to like things that start off traditional and end up completely in space. And I thought they did that like when they had the fish jumping out of the water when they were in Asia. I mean, completely unnecessary. I mean, when it's unrealistic and it's on Fuller House, you know, it's unrealistic, but I loved it. And I've just I've I've been watching TV movies and listening to music since I was like five, and I've noticed that most musicians and filmmakers and TV people, they'll do, they'll stay the course, and then they'll have one season or one album or one sequel of a movie where they just go completely bonkers, half, three quarters of the audience hates it, and then they'll return to form for the final one, and that makes you appreciate what the show is trying to do even more, You know, it's like you go on a vacation, and you go on a side road, and it's just terrible, and then you get back on the path, so I appreciated that. I thought, in a serious note, I thought that a lot of TV shows don't, they'll have very traditional approaches to having a baby, and I thought having a surrogate was really beautiful, and I thought, at the very least, even if you hated the whole show... The last episode when they're playing a Joni Mitchell song and this beautiful scene that encapsulates motherhood, smart, strong women who don't need men telling them how to live their lives come together around each other to bring this beautiful baby into the world. And the thing that I think is, shows why this show is better is that for years I'd watch Full House and at the end they'd have this stupid teachable moment where they'd say exactly what the show was trying to do while terrible music played in the background. Whereas in season four, they didn't say a damn thing. They just let this beautiful image come through of Stephanie having the baby with these women around her. While beautiful music by one of the greatest songwriters of all time, Joni Mitchell, played in the background. So I think, even though the show, that season was a complete mess, half of it did not need to happen. By the end of it, I was a blubbering baby, and I'm like, I want my kids to see this show. And so, for that reason, season four is my favorite. Not just a Fuller House... But of all time, it's one of my favorite top five seasons. Wow. I'm, Good I'm, <laughs> so that is, that I'm done. So <laughs>
3: so definitive. Yes, season I didn't finish in time last year. <laughs> But I do, on a side note, I do agree with your assessment of TV. I've noticed that myself. My favorite TV show of all time is Alias. And mm-hmm. their season three was completely whack. I yeah. you hated it, but then they got back on track. So right. I agree with you on that one. My favorite season overall would probably, it's a tie between seasons one and five. One, because I did love it so much. That's what actually made me reach out to Kylie and say, we need to cover this show because season one was so good it was one of the best revival tv series from the 90s of you know the new season that i'd seen yeah and then season five just brought it right back felt a lot of that original nostalgia the the hijinks everything kind of came back to formal season five so again now that it's over how would you rate the show as a whole this is kind of a little bit of my tweak on the star business just because i don't have the exact definitions that kylie uses but the same sentiment is there so Would you rate the show five stars overall? It's amazing. It's the best thing on TV. Nothing else will ever compare. This is the end-all, be-all best TV show of all time. Four stars. It's good, but there's some issues, you know, but pretty good it's pretty good three stars it's okay it's kind of middle of the pack i may recommend it to some people but it's just okay or two stars it's mostly bad it has a couple of bright spots that'll keep you watching but overall not the best or is it a one star pass on this one it's horrible
2: it's the worst i don't recommend it where would you guys rank it from one to five i would go with four i think yes it did have its issues here and there but i think overall it was really good especially season five I've always had a special place in my heart for Full House and for these characters and I was so excited when it came back and to be able to revisit it and kind of go back into that world was really cool and you know, it, it wasn't perfect but I think if I was recommending it to someone I would say yeah, it's totally worth a binge you know, it's it's sweet it's, it's definitely got really funny moments and really cute moments and just it it's good escapism, especially for this crazy time that we're in right now. And I think it, it's it's a good way to introduce that to the younger, you know, generation, that show in that, that world. Yeah, I'd give it a solid four.
1: I agree. It's definitely a four for all the reasons you just said. In terms of recommendations, I think it would depend on the personality of the person who wants the recommendation. Like they would have to have an appreciation for I think the type of family comedy that it is, like a, a fan of Full House, a fan of like Boy Meets World, Saved by the Bell, that era, I think really would appreciate it more than like the regular viewer. Although it is, it is nice to hear that Stephanie, your daughter, really likes it too, because it's one of those like, okay, do I only like this because I have the nostalgia factor, or if I were a kid today? Would I dig it to.
5: I think this show definitely has a sweet spot. So like for me being, you know, 39 years old and having enjoyed this show in its prime, the original, it's definitely a four for me right now. And I think little kids right now will appreciate the current show for the same reasons that we loved Full House when we were kids. But I think people who are in like maybe their 20s, early 30s, Or people maybe even older who didn't watch the show when it was out or were older adults then and don't have that appreciation for the nostalgia would probably see it more as like a two or a three. So I think, like you said, I'd be careful about who I was recommending it to because there's a certain sweet spot of people who are going to really appreciate this show like I did. And there's other people who would be like, this is ridiculous. Why are you watching this?
1: So for me, it's a four. Oh, yeah. And that's that's a good point of the older generation, too, that as I've been watching it, my parents have sort of passively watched it, too. Not every episode, but kind of in and out. And my mom thinks she's like not about it at all. She thinks it's cheesy, corny, nothing to do with it. My dad really likes it. And they're both in their 60s. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think that's that's funny that it's like, you know, that he would like a female centric show and, and like a lot of the jokes and it's just funny what people like.
4: So there is there is such a personality factor to this, and I would definitely agree that I would I would play it by by how I knew the person. But generally speaking, an open-minded person that likes good fun stuff, people that can appreciate the fact that there's going to be cornyness, the fact that it's a family-style sitcom. I would definitely I would I would I would give it a five. I love it. It's great. If you can if if you, you can put up with the fact that you know it's not meant to be real. And it's just meant to be fun and you can pick out all the good stuff in there and leave out the stuff you don't like, it's definitely a 5.
6: I, I think I I would give it a 4.5, because Jared just put it exactly how I would as well, and I agree with all of you, is that the show is not perfect, and if it was perfect, I don't think it would be as good, but if you if you take it on its own terms, I think a lot of people who hate it compare it to shows that are, aren't even attempting to be like Full House or mm-hmm. Fuller House. If you take it on its own terms, like a a goofy family show that covers contemporary issues that does so in a way that that is pretty clean i mean this show is a little bit more ribald, but it was like innuendos but it's something i would let my kids watch and they covered issues unlike full house i believe that they covered issues that families should be talking about and not just talking about but seeing it on the tv in front of them and for that reason four point let's say a 4.7 it's not perfect Take it on its own terms it's it's pretty darn close to perfect for the for the reasons Jared just said that's fair yep
3: Wow all right well you guys have all rated it very high
6: <laughs> I Did feel you bad, a two?
3: I feel bad about bringing the average down <laughs> <laughs> for me as much as I loved you know the first season and as much as I loved the last season especially the series finale there is still a lot of clunkiness in those middle three seasons, especially season four, that I really gotta knock it down. It's it's a three, I think, for me. Maybe a three-five if I'm feeling really emotional and I just wanna watch some feel-good junk food TV. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna split the difference and say a 3.25 star for me. And again, you guys are all overachievers and you answered my next question about recommending it to others. So good for you. And I I would recommend it to the same people that you guys mentioned for the exact same reasons. I think this show really does have that kind of niche audience where it's really kind of playing to, to our generation as the one who grew up watching it. And then especially those of us who already have kids who are the right age to be watching the show. I think Samantha's dad is definitely an outlier being. Well, <laughs> I, I
1: think that's usually the case in many of our conversations. <laughs> yeah.
3: I can't imagine watching this, you know, with, with my parents, even though we did watch it together as a family when I was little. Yeah, I think it's just, it knows its sweet spot. Our generation is very heavy on nostalgia that, that late night, late eighties, early nineties shows. You know, I did watch Girl Meets World when that was on Disney Channel because I loved Boy Meets World when I was uh-huh. growing up too. It's kind of on the same par as this one. It didn't have as long of a run. And I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with Saved by the Bell and the Punky Brewster remake. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch Punky Brewster. I'm a little slightly, slightly too young for that. I'm 34. So it was just a little bit older than me. But I did watch a lot of Save by the Bell, especially in syndication on TBS growing up. So yeah. I'm excited to check those out and see how they kind of compare with this revival television genre, especially from this kind of show. So, next question Would you guys follow any of the actors in Fuller House onto future projects? And no, Candace Cameron Beret and Jodie Sweetin's Hallmark escapades do not count. What?
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I've already done that. Time
6: <laughs> That's, <laughs> a, that's a really good question.
1: You know, that is a good question. Let's take
3: Hallmark out of the equation for now. You okay. know, Would you follow any of them? And that includes you know, Bob Saget and John Stamos, the original cast that's made cameos, the returning cast, and the new kids
6: cast. So, so put the Hallmark card back on the shelf <laughs> and answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I've hard. Watched. Go ahead.
5: I, I was going to say, I've watched other things that John Stamos has done outside of Full House. Just, like, in passing. But I I don't think, I mean, I kind of, like, love these actors for this show. And I don't foresee myself, like, seeking them out because I love the actor. I I think I have them too much attached to the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really don't see them as anything. Like, I I would have a hard time seeing them as other characters. So, I don't know. I wouldn't purposely be like, oh, that's Jodie Sweet and I gotta watch that type of a thing.
2: I think it's kind of split for me. I think I would definitely follow the kids especially Jackson and Max and probably Ramona too because I think they really like I was saying earlier I think they really did grow as actors and I think I'd be interested to see what they do next and check it out but I remember being a kid and I don't know why I did this but for somehow some way I remember stumbling on this tv movie that John Stamos did where he played this like horrible husband abusive like it was It it was him trying to, like, get out of the Uncle Jesse, like, persona. And it just weirded me out so much. I remember watching that movie and just being like, what the heck? Like, no, no, no. This is not... This isn't cool. Yeah, I think if it was some of the older characters, or, you know, the, like, John Stamos and Bob Saget and all that, I I don't know if I could because I just, I grew up with them as these characters and I don't, I can't really associate them with anything else in my head. But I think for the younger ones, because they haven't been around as long, I think if they moved on, especially because they're so young, I think if they moved on to something else, I say the girl that played Ramona goes and does a Disney show. I'd probably check it out at least a few episodes, you know, see what it's about. But yeah, I don't think I could for the like the uncles and and Candace and Jody. I know they do the whole Harmonock thing, which I know we're not counting, but seeing them outside of that the context of this is i think it would just weird me out too
1: much like it did with john Stamos. so just yeah <laughs> i definitely don't want to see that particular john Stamos movie but i really liked him on er so i think i'd be open oh, that's right yes that's, I,
2: he was really good on there
1: i, I agree with you there i was uh, accident
4: yeah. Well, you you was just creepy and kind of bad, but I did catch a little bit of it, and John Stamos was a was a kind of a he was the psychologist that ended up having an affair, and that was really really creepy. I had to get off of that, but I love I don't mind I check them all out a little bit. I I'm interested in hoping that the kids grow up to be great actors and they don't they don't fall into the stereotype of of issues that happen to kid actors and all that kind of stuff. I've always followed Candace Cameron Bure. I've watched a lot of John Stamos stuff. Danny, I don't even know what he's doing with his life other than stand-up comedy. I follow him on social media all the time, read his posts. So if he has a movie coming out, I might check it out. Nothing that big. Joey is another one where I would love to see him do something else interesting, but I don't see very much of what he does. So I don't know about Joey Andrea Barber. I would I mean although it would be really weird, it would be interesting to see if she desired to kind of expand her 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 personality into something a little bit different although I think it would be very hard to watch because of how I knew her to be. So I always like to keep keep my eyes open. I'm always open to seeing somebody grow and something be different. So
6: that's such a good question. I think this is my favorite question so far. I don't think that I could watch the the core people and anything else without immediately thinking of Full and Fuller House, unless it was like a joke about Fuller Fuller House. I will say that the, the people that I think I could, all the children, especially Max, and I'm so bad with the names. What was the girl's name on that again? Ma- Ram-
2: Ramona.
6: I think I think Ramona's a really good actor, good actor. so I would watch them. To be honest, I actually read somewhere that the guy who plays Jimmy is nothing like Jimmy. Like, he's, he's a smart, like, reasoned and that makes me think he's a really good actor cuz he was really funny on fuller house so i would th- i think i would like to see him fernando grew on me so much and i kind of wanted more of him because he became he started off as this garbage person and ended up as this totally cool member of the the of the family so i think i would like to see him but i still think i would think of fernando and yeah that that's it so jimmy and two of the kids, without a doubt. The rest, probably not.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you guys. It seems like a lot of these actors have been very typecast mm-hmm. the roles that they've played since Full House and then right. Fuller House has ended. I mean, even Lori Laughlin as Aunt Becky, her character on One Calls the Heart on Hallmark, she's very close to Aunt Becky. She is. It's, she's the maternal figure, kind of you know the surrogate mother. She's been typecast. You know, even like... Candace Cameron Bray and Jody Sweet, and it seems like there's always a little bit of DJ and Stephanie in the, in the movies on Hallmark that I've caught them in. And I mean, the only one that I didn't immediately think of Danny Tanner was when Bob Saget was the voice of adult Ted for How I Met Your Mother. And it was right. just the voiceover. It was, he was never seen in person. And I think that probably had something to do with it where I was able to kind of disconnect that, no, he's not Danny Tanner. He's, I
1: believe him as adult Ted. Oh, I didn't even realize he was adult Ted. I Ted. didn't either. Blowing my mind tonight. Yeah. <sighs> You're welcome. Yeah. I don't know. This is probably one of the shows. I
3: mean, I wouldn't follow anybody specifically. Like, some actors I do like to follow these. I, I really wouldn't seek them out. But if I did see Elias Harger who plays Max on something, I'd be I'd be happy to see him. I think he's one of the breakout stars of the show okay. for the young cast. And I agree too, Sony de Colbringas who plays Ramona, is phenomenal. And I think she will hopefully have a big career in front of her. You know, obviously McKenna Grace who plays Rose, Max's on and off again girlfriend, CJ's daughter, she is the biggest star. She's up and, and coming. She's been in everything. Been in uh, everything, yeah. You know, she was, what, young Tanya in I, Tanya, the movie with Margot Robbie about Tanya Harding.
6: That's a great she movie, was, yeah. She was in that, right?
3: Yeah. Wow. She was in The Haunting of Hill House. She mm-hmm. played on the angry characters. She was in, she played young Sabrina on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. This girl has been everywhere lately. And the fact that she came back to Fuller House to even just do this one little cameo was pretty generous of her considering how busy she is Mm -hmm. So, i mean she's the one i would probably follow if i'm gonna follow anybody and she was a side character
2: so yeah with all that you mentioned it sounds like she's kind of going the dakota fanning route yeah
3: uh,
4: she's very dakota fanning-esque
3: but she i think she's more talented than dakota fanning she has depth and she has played a wide range of characters at her young age i think she's got some very
6: career
3: longevity yeah,
6: she, very yeah. true. She won't have to take out any college loans.
3: No, and every every character she plays <laughs> is different. So yeah, McKenna Grace would be the will be the one that I would maybe not actively seek out, but I would keep tabs on her. She's gonna be good. Yeah. Do you guys have any last parting shots? She wolf howls booyah boy screams. <laughs> any last word <laughs> <laughs> <By Ow! laughs> of
6: I guess my only disappointment wasn't really a disappointment, it was just like come on. Like when growing up, Joey was always my favorite, and in Full House I thought he was he was kind of the rodeo clown, but he also had a lot of depth. I remember this really good Full House where he tries to revive his stand-up comedian career and it ends up not going as he wanted, and he ended up being like a really vulnerable person, and I felt like in Fuller House he was just almost a cartoon. And I was also disappointed. I was hoping that it would, like, it would be him in the kitchen listening to that Alanis Morissette song that we all know is about him. Because, <laughs> if they're, because why not? They did it with everything else. So my I still liked him. And every time he came on the screen in Fuller House, I was like, yes! But I was a little disappointed because I thought he was just a cartoon, whereas in Full House, I thought that, you know, we all, we all remember Uncle Joey. He was, he was awesome. We all wanted him. And this one, eh, you know, I give him about a B-. minus.
4: I was pretty disappointed that, that he had such a in this in Fuller House that he had the you know, the, the crazy kids and and oh. there wasn't a lot of a lot of a lot of scenes with his his full family together and what that dynamic was like. Yeah. It would've pictured him like the kids being a lot different, even if they were goofy and funny, they would have been a lot different than all the, the problems that were caused between the kids. I didn't like that too much. Yeah,
3: they they kinda did Joey Dirty in that aspect. I like that he had the Las Vegas residency. For being a stand up comic, but the family was was a misstep for sure. Any last, any other last thoughts of Fuller House? Speak now or forever
6: hold your peace. Did everybody like, who liked this one better than Full House? Anybody? Well, I don't did.
1: Compare <laughs> them like that. Okay. It's such a different mindset because I watched mm. Full House when I was, you know, teeny. Different. So just different perspective. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Samantha. It's, you have to approach them
3: as. Almost two different things because of agree times too. All right, last call. We're good? We're good. Okay. Awesome. So with that, I would like to thank <laughs> Leslie, Samantha, Jared, Justin, and Stephanie for discussing the fifth and final season of Fuller House. I also want to give a special shout out to Leslie for being the only original panelist member who stuck with me through all the ups and downs of this show. This panel has had so much turnover. And it's awesome having at least one. My
2: pleasure, Kristen.
3: So thank you. (laughs) Guys, remember the door is always open. So if another Tanner Fuller Gibbler family event, whether it's another, you know, a TV movie or a series, comes across our television screens in the future, we'll be sure to give it a look.
0: So at this time, I'm going to jump back in and thank Kristen for moderating this panel from beginning to end with all of its ups and downs and arounds and arounds. What a trooper, Kristen! Good job! And thank you and thanks to the panelists because they've had such a fuller time talking about Fuller House. It's time to roll the credits! Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point was produced by Back Pocket Productions run by yours truly, The Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced by me, Kylie Piette. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kaus Resmer. Kaus played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube. We have our website. And we're now on Patreon at patreon.com slash unite. If you really love us, pledge your support by becoming one of our United Couch Potatoes as we grow our little, sofa populated corner of the world. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book by email at couchpotatoesunitepodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Unite, our Patreon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time, and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point. Or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts, and our Patreon to stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point. Until the next time, all available seasons of Fuller House are available to stream on Netflix, as that is the network who made it and who should reward loyal viewers and unofficial non-sponsor type people for our constant mention of their names. Okay, our coverage of the Full and Fuller House lexicon has now concluded, at least for now, though I wouldn't be surprised if any or all of them cropped up in other discussions from time to time. If you have nominations for shows we should cover on our podcast, contact us via social media or email. You can volunteer to be a panelist, too. In the meantime, and until next time, until next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening. Keep watching. Stay tuned. Bye, Bye everybody.
6: Cut it out. Quit it.